confession to make that this is pre-recorded as well <laughs> two in a row is really Ooh. bad and it's all my fault Ooh. was it my fault last yeah, week? yeah it's oh, always shit. your fault yeah <laughs> um it was my fault last week because i had to go to the job interview that was too modest to mention when <laughs> i got the job so hey. no i'm not really modest anymore <laughs> um and this week i'm going to london and to take part this is quite weird because it would have actually been in the past now. But on <laughs> Wednesday, I took part in a panel discussion at the Royal College of Art called What If Artists and Designers Redesign the, the Economy? Which I think is really, mm. really, really interesting topic. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just been researched. It's quite funny because this is in the future for me. <laughs> and I still don't know quite what I'm going to say on this panel discussion. But hopefully I will have prepared it before it actually takes place tomorrow evening um so i had to think of a theme i had to think of a thing quite quickly because uh it's only been four days since we recorded the last show and um this has been the jubilee weekend not that we've been celebrating that much no i haven't really noticed it i've not noticed noticed it unfortunately i've noticed monday and tuesday um, specifically yesterday, because that was the day when I came up with the theme. Um, I got up quite about eight, I think, or half seven. And I remember feeling slightly annoyed that I was going to work. And I always do this <laughs> on a bank holiday because nobody really tells me that it's a bank <coughs> holiday. And then um, I just planned to work. So I was up in back in the studio at like nine or something yesterday. Anyway... I was in a bad mood, maybe. But then I was also in a bad mood, Oliver, because I had hardly seen you. And I think that that, when I don't really see you, then that's when I start thinking of you. <laughs> that's ding. Interesting. All the thing in the house. Interesting. I'd actually... Um, I'd really like to talk about that later, actually, what happens when you don't see someone and how that impacts on you. Anyway, yeah. continue, but I think it should it should come up later because I think it's really uh, relevant to what we'll be discussing later. I think so. I should and um, anyway, because I hadn't seen you and I didn't know where you'd been and you'd been out late every night while I was just sat in my room working like a loser. Um, while the I was celebrating <laughs> the Jubilee secretly. <laughs> the whole of England was celebrating the Jubilee. I didn't see a soul in <laughs> Scotland doing anything. Anyway, um... I did your washing up for you, and then I took... In my defence, it was one colander, one bowl, and one saucepan. But it was my porridge saucepan, and you know that if that porridge saucepan isn't clean for me to make a porridge with, things go awry. What was in the, por- what was in the saucepan? Uh, water. Oh, <laughs> that must have been a hard job for you to clean out. <laughs> Bloody hell. It was quite tricky. Anyway, because I was annoyed with you because of all the fun you'd been having in my absence and because you've got no credit to send me bloody messages about where you are, um, I just felt that I had to just let you know that I'd done your washing up for you. Um, And then storm off. Anyway, no, so I was in the kitchen (laughs) and I heard this really interesting thing on the radio, as is normally where I get my research material for for our show. And they were talking about 
power. And the effect of power on the mind, mm. really, really interesting. They were talking specifically, other people may have heard this on yesterday's Today programme, but they were talking specifically about a book that's just come out, co come out called The Winner Effect, which looks at how winning actually neurologically changes the brain and how success can breed more success. Interesting. Um, and that led into sort of talking specifically about power and how power, when you become more powerful as an individual, then that actually neurologically changes the brain. Mm. And there was a Bertrand Russell quote, because we always like oh, to throw in like a Bertrand Russell. Throw in a bit of Bertrand, but this is the key thing that I thought about. Um, and it's probably just completely paraphrased, but it's something along the lines of just as energy is the fundamental property of physics, power is the fundamental property of human relationships. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. So I got on my bike and I cycled to the studio and then I was like, right, you've got no credit. <laughs> I'm in a position of power. I'm choosing the theme. I'll just text you and say, powers, that's what we're doing. Powers, you can't reply because you've got no credit to kick up a fuss. And so I was quite interested in how the theme was kind of imposed on you mm. out of this. I'm glad like that you've thought of that. It's interesting that you thought about that as a power gesture because when I received it, because of the way that I often operate as through a philosophy of acceptance, I wouldn't ever really question it. So I just thought, yeah, that's what we're doing. But it's interesting that like one person can be thinking that they're exercising power and actually because somebody else has a completely different way of operating and exercising their own power, it's sort of like, it's very, it's a much more complicated relationship than what one, on a one-sided uh, way. And I suppose that that's what I was thinking about today actually was how, you know, because we always use a plural yeah. as our title, we're not talking about power, we're talking about powers. Yeah. So there's already implied this kind of like um, a dialectic or a dialogic mm -hmm. communication because I think both of them, I was, I'm not quite sure of the definitions, but the way that I was thinking about them as defined was dialectic was more like two powers competing with one another, whereas mm -hmm. a dialogic is more about two powers sort of coming together Wow. to have a, a communal relationship, although I don't know if it's ever possible to get two people that are really, gen like I don't know whether it's possible to really truly combine your individual powers into one unifying power because I think there's always going to be lots of uh, smaller things at play that alter that, right? Yeah. Anyway, that was my thought on the plural of power. Yeah. Well, it made me think of superpowers as well, which as I was cycling to the studio with, I didn't have this jump on, which is a shame because it's quite colourful and makes me feel like a little comic book character mm. but as I was cycling along I was thinking superpowers <laughs> well it's well. interesting because I was thinking about when we take the photograph I was initially thinking that we'd just pose like superheroes but then actually uh. sometimes when we do a little pose not always the best is it it's best <laughs> to be quite straightforward direct <laughs> and rational in your um in your demeanor it's best for the photograph just to be a document of real life rather than some really contrived like mm -hmm. I think so shoot. I think so yeah. Um, but actually, yeah, I, because it, because I began along this line of thinking about p 
powers is a plural and two people's powers. I was trying to think about, like, uh, I know it's no secret between us and maybe some mm. listeners that I have been in a, a sort of situation for about a year of a very unrequited affection. Yeah. And I was thinking what's really interesting about that mm-hmm. is that this person, I'm not going to mention them, I'm not going to talk about them because I think it's like disrespectful to them, yeah. but it's also disrespectful to myself. But what I think is really interesting is that they are either unknowingly and definitely unwantingly exerting a power mm. onto me that is completely controlling the whole way that I'm living my life. Do you know this is an anarchist um, anarchist discussion signal? Ellie's shaking her two hands back and forth like jazz hands. Jazz That's hands, an anarchist. You know? no, no, tell me means, about that. I agree. Oh, I interesting. agree. Yeah, actually, we should start doing this more because mm. this is really, really good. Because, sorry, Oliver was just explaining this. And I was, g- I mean, it links into the song that I've chosen, why I've chosen this song. But as he was saying that, I was just like, I totally agree. So I'm doing the anarchist jazz hands thing, <laughs> which is a way, yeah, if, if everyone's, it's really interesting in terms of power because it's a non-hierarchical structure for making decisions. So everybody can be sat together in a group and everybody's got to give everybody else sort of equal respect for having mm-hmm. their voice heard and stuff. So you don't want to interject while somebody's speaking. So that's how you show agreement. Ah, so interesting. I, know I really like it, like changing a light bulb. You've really got to watch a whole film about <laughs> the whole like um, whole like communication system. That's what the Occupy like movement was all based around. Mm. People making it's like a way of communal decision making. But anyway, sorry to interrupt my jazz hands but I totally agree <laughs> but it relates to Bertrand what Bertrand was saying about how power being the fundamental substance of like human yeah. relationships well, but what I think is quite interesting is because I was you know a couple of months ago I got really panicky about power and I sort of stopped I sort of started to think about how every time I made an artwork or and whenever I thought of ideas the only reason I was thinking about them was to advance my own power in the world yeah. and it really freaked me out and then like you know, so then I was thinking about, like, Nietzsche's will to power. And so, like, if if that's true and that power is just the driving force of humanity, and you can understand why, like, achievement, ambition, things like that would come as an evolutionary impulse and how that would drive us forward and how it's important. But so I think it's not about worrying about the fact that you want power, but it's about questioning why you want that power. Um, But going back to this situation of the unrequited affection, Uh what I think is very interesting is the person who has the power really in the relationship or who you think is having this powerful force on you is not attempting to exert Mm -hmm. it. If anything, they're attempting to sort of withdraw any interaction. It's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I can't help but do jazz hands again. But... It's, yeah, my God, that's so interesting because the more they withdraw and the more they kind of say, I don't want to have this power and I don't even want to be involved and I just want to kind of remove myself from this situation, the more it feels to you. The more a power relationship happens, right? But I've been trying to think about it very seriously recently because I know that I have to stop it. And um, what I've been thinking is actually this person, to me, it's not this person that has the power. What has the power is this very kind of hyper-realized version of that person. Like, I was listening to a Baudrillard lecture this morning, which is where I'm getting this from, but like, sort of like a more them version of them. Yeah. Like, it's not that person. But, and I think also because in a situation where it's someone that 
you might have wronged or someone that you think sort of doesn't like you, what I think is very frightening about it is that it's actually my attempt at continuing to live a sort of ongoing apologetic mode of existence. And, and often I do find this in life that when things start to go well for me, I sort of try accident, not like kind of unconsciously to find new ways to offend people, to, to maintain that relationship where I'm the one without the power because I've, I've given up my power to someone else, even yeah. if they don't really want it. Well, the situation that I'm in at the moment is, maybe this links into the song, so maybe I should just sort of feed into my song. Yeah, sure. Um, but, oh, two things I just want to flag out, because you mentioned, like, um, when you're talking about Nietzsche, like, thinking why you want the power, if, if it really is just a quest to find power, but it made me think of the film that I made for your um, Love Made Easy project, mm. which was called success equals sex <laughs> <laughs> and it was just this kind of like it was not a very well thought through artwork at all but basically i'd appeared on two bbc programs like in 2010 and i just compiled these two bbc programs into a little showreel and the idea was that in showing people that i'd been on the telly that that would make me more attractive mm -hmm. and that that would like um in some way help me to find a date and do you think that but so that is like sex being a procreative urge right like the genes yeah sex is the thing you want and power is the way of getting it yeah. or success is the way of getting it but as i as to look to, well, to link into well maybe <laughs> in my in my fucked up little brain but i think in most fucked up human beings little brains i think that that's the way that it's been depicted by freud for a long time but also yeah. like you think about all films everything you see like yeah you do see that success and set obviously you know success equals sex yeah irrelevant but um when you were saying that you go out of your way to kind of maintain that subordinate role i suppose mm. or the or the role where you're like um so and I suppose I have found myself going, getting into that role as well. And recently as well, which is why I'm going to play this song, because there is one person who has got power over me at the moment, and basically I would do anything that she says. And this song, I asked her today, what should I play on the radio? And she said, I'll play this because it's really good. So that's why I'm playing it. But I'm playing it to, to remind myself and to make myself, um, what's the word? Meant like to, to check that I'm not gonna be exploited. This is a, mm. does this make sense? I was wondering actually whether this whole thing is an exercise in your own power. But anyway, let's play let's the song. Let's just play the song we can discuss after. <laughs>
Right. Because I didn't really introduce it before the song. That's Farnera by the XX. I can't, I have to admit, I don't think it was quite as catchy as last week's choice. Mm, yeah, no, I felt, I did feel a bit like we were in a kind of cocktail bar or something, though, drinking pina colada. Yeah. That is sort of nice. No, it did have a sum- summary vibe to it. But I was also saying that I am quite, um, there's been quite a big response to my last week's choice, and I'm quite <laughs> quite excited that I might have uh, Finally. picked Finally. a future number one. I really reckon it is going to go to number yeah, one. Yeah, it's got well. a summer vibe. But on Far Nero, I tell you, I couldn't listen to that on my headphones because, you know, we were just talking about the song you picked last time. Yeah. And the power that songs have when you yeah. can project yourself yeah. onto them. I've chosen a song that we, I guess we'll play at the end that I'm, I was a bit worried about playing it because I do project my own emotions onto it a lot. And that's why I think a lot of the time I have trouble going to see live music because it's suddenly a reawakening that these songs you listen to and that you project or that become the soundtrack to your own feelings are actually communal property. Yeah. It's it's, it's not, not just your interpretation of the text, and it's and it's someone, a music producer or a songwriter yeah, or somebody who's manipulating your mind. Yeah, it's not really any sort of sense of self de- determination. But I feel like it's quite interesting what you were saying while you listened to the song about like how. Because I wasn't really very well to articulate why I'd chosen that song and I'm probably just going to dig myself into an even bigger hole now. But I just wanted to play the song um, <laughs> oh <God>. to <laughs> remind myself um, of this power relation so that I don't get exploited. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you're in that sort of... I think you might have just been submissive position so you've just performed the action and it's not like someone has to ask someone doesn't have to ask you to perform an action in order for you to perform it and uh, and, and it oh. but also you're you're suggesting that i'm using the platform the radio show as a to- as a power tool yeah but i wonder how but i think the thing is what we have to get away from is the idea that power is just purely a negative thing and actually it depends what that you know like i felt bad about always wanting power but if you're using or if you're trying at least in your initial attempt to entwine some kind of positive feeling, like the person that I was talking about before that I'm not really talking about, uh, I'm sort of conscious that actually, because it's been going through this whole year, I felt a lot of the times, a lot of the songs I've picked and a lot of the content that I've spoken about on this show Mm. has been, I've been speaking purely as if I'm speaking at him. And I know that's insane, but it's like actually... And maybe that's complete exaggeration just because we're in this context. But I do think it's very beautiful to be able to have this, just this kind of dialogue where you don't give up but on I, something. Uh, and and not that it has to be requited. That's the thing. Maybe it doesn't have to be requited, but what's beautiful is it's just being put out there. And people feel like that all the time with you people. Have got to, but you have got to give up. I have got to give up you, because no, it's just being very up. detrimental. You just I've got, got to, to Yeah, I need to just re... I need to just rejig the way that I'm living. But I do I do think that it's a, a nice exercise, even if the other person doesn't want it, to sort of just offer this entwinement or to at least for some to, to put it out there that people affect your lives. And that person doesn't ever need to hear it or know that stuff. People just affect our lives and that's true of everyone. But people you've gotta um realise that people affect your lives more than anything else. Mm-hmm more than any object more than any like like 
action Intimate or experience relations. Yeah, that doesn't involve human beings. Yeah. Like th- those things will be forgotten. Like it's really interesting because the notes I wrote down about the washing up. <laughs> yesterday I look forward morning, to those at the end of the week. No, the yesterday morning I'd written them about how I was annoyed that I didn't know what I was rereading it now. It was one day ago. And I can't even remember that. Like it's See? just disappeared. It's just dust. This is a conversation for another time, but I mean a couple of weeks ago me and Ellie had a discussion where she's only allowed to complain about things on a Friday morning, <laughs> so she has to write them down in order so that we understand that actually some things don't need to be complained about because they do fade away yeah but that was interesting the discussion that we had what show was it before uh i think it was before influences which turned out to be our best yeah it was a good one, one. of our best shows good but show. it was interesting because like we've all often talked about power in r- reference to our relationship but i was uh, called that meeting to to have to try to have like a democratic platform where we could discuss things and i was trying for it to be as open as possible like discussing to do with the flat and living together and I was trying for it to be as open as possible so that there wouldn't be this like overemphasized power relation but it was your preference that I continue to because what I proposed was to set in place a system yeah. or a rota or a predefined schedule mm-hmm. that would mean that we wouldn't really have to have conversations but it would always sort of because we've tried this before and actually you just increase the more leeway you're given you're the type of person that if I give you an inch you take a mile so therefore instead we have to try this other other style which I think works more positively where it's it's kind of a combination. There's a, a place for you to express those concerns, but it's very specific and it gives you time to consider them a bit more before you just erupt. But you know that thing you were saying about um, giving an inch and, and taking a mile or whatever it is? Maybe that is a result of the neurological changes of power on the brain. That if you're given a glimpse yeah. of a way yeah, in which you true. can manipulate a situation... Then you just run with it. Yeah. So it's maybe not my fault. Maybe it's my brain and my. I think it's to do with some kind of learned behaviour, and I think that's probably comes down to some kind of evolution as well. Because if you learn that something's working. Yeah. I mean, I don't know because I don't know much about behaviourism or whatever. I could say the word Skinner, but that's about it. So I don't want to go too deeply into it, but. I think that that does seem like, yeah, if you learn that one thing's working, it's like, if you do a good application for something, or I do it, if I do a good application for something, then I look at that application and I hold it in high regard and I begin to think, oh, how can I tweak that so that my applications continue along this format? But you do that with everything, right? With an essay, with any social interaction. Yeah. Well, social interaction is different because other people always... But it links okay. it links back to the Today programme of yesterday morning where this whole thing came from because the example that they gave about how winning actually changes the neurological pathways in the brain to make you more likely to win in the future is that um, they gave the example of Mike Tyson when he was let out of jail <laughs> and re-entered like, competitive boxing. The first match that they scheduled for him was against a really weak opponent and like he just knocked Mm. him out like straight away and that was done deliberately to get him to the pattern of winning and then they put him up against a really difficult opponent and of course he won and then he went on to um beat frank bruno as well and like mike well done but it was because he'd kind of let the success and do you know what i was thinking in relation to my job interview which i'm now not too modest to mention <laughs> because I got the job and I'm going to be teaching 
at Duncan and Jordanston. Hey! From September to December this year, which is really exciting. Um, but I was, before I went into the interview, you know, I was terrified because I haven't actually had an interview for probably like maybe eight years, mm. other than MFA interviews, but job interviews. Yeah. And because um, all of the interviews that I had eight years ago when I was looking for a job, like doing invigilating or working in museums and all sorts of stuff, I never got the jobs, right? And then I got my job at Nottingham Tr Trent and I was never actually interviewed. But I was thinking about being a lecturer at Nottingham Trent and the fact that I was never actually interviewed which maybe I probably shouldn't say on the, on the radio. <laughs> well, you've but said it twice now. So I've said it twice now. <laughs> but the fact that I never had that validation, that I always felt that I'd slight, slightly slipped through the net, mm -hmm. always made me feel that I didn't actually quite deserve to be there. Mm. And I think now that I've actually gone for the interview and sat on a panel where there's five people and been selected to have the job, yeah then that's going to make me feel not n not necessarily a position of... Well, I guess it is a position of power. Yeah. Or, like, that I'll feel like I am justified that power, allowed to have that power, mm. allowed to embody that position of power. I'd like to know if power works in the same way as kind of a hedonic effect because you know like mm. last year when we we're thinking about positive psychology there's all this stuff that you know like eventually the hedonic treadmill like you feel really good about something that good that happens to you but eventually you go back to normal yeah i wonder if power is the same and whether actually you've just got this very small window in which to utilize that small new burst of power and if you let that burst of power go back again yeah then you lose it or whether whether actually power works more like a step that, that you remain on. No, me neither. I don't know. I mean, I imagine if you're talking about like climbing up the ladder or whatever, that it's a step and that you just continue to become more powerful over the course of your life. Yeah. Well, that's the dream, at least. But do we want that? Well, do we really want that? I think <laughs> the thing is, if power... I mean, the th the, I suppose we have to... If we're talking about the will to power and I'm talking about it as being evolutionary in urge, then I wonder where that does come in when faced with homosexuality. Because, right. like, if it's about procreation and reproducing, then obviously that's very different. Actually, I was reading this, I think it was Schopenhauer, about how, in Schopenhauer's opinion, the reason homosexuality occurs is because the people are so fucked up that their genes sort of make the decision that they shouldn't be allowed to reproduce, so it <laughs> turns them homosexual. I might have just completely bastardized Schopenhauer then. He was a bit of a misery. Yeah, but he wasn't a very tolerant man, was he? But I think that, I really thought that was a very interesting uh, point, actually. Another interesting point, or another controversial point with which to end an Alien Oliver show. <laughs> uh, um, oh, that just we have got, we've run out of time, unfortunately. Okay, again, should we play another song? I want to play another song, but I really want to say something, because you are... Okay. Just this idea of stepping up the ladder of power. Because mm -hmm. I think one thing that I've mentioned to you in the past, and it comes up in the audio archive, Ellie Harrison <laughs> audio archive. Online now. One of the early interviews, I think the one I did in 2005, I'm talking about the relationship between um, having, two, well, having two jobs, having the job as an usher. This is when I lived in Nottingham. Mm -hmm. So being an usher in the cinema and simultaneously being an usher, uh, being an lecturer at the university, <sighs> and how people treated me really differently in different roles mm. because of 
some sort of. Did you ever see students? Yeah, they came in and then they then they, then they. What like was their relationship like with you? Well, they were really confused and like um, really disturbed that their lecturer was taking tickets and picking up. Do you know what? It's super honest though. It's, it's really great honest. for people to see that. That look. If you're at art school, you might as well know right now. But this is because one thing that's really inspired me in relation to that is I think it's the film American Spender, but it's about Robert Crumb, and he became a really famous like graphic novelist mm. and was pretty wealthy as well, but he never gave up his job working in the sorting office, and for his entire career he worked in the sorting office. And this idea that we have to progress up the rungs of yeah. power or structure, like... I actually, that for me, is one of the most inspirational things. For me, I just think once an usher, I'll always be an usher. I always want to be an usher because yeah. I always want to be grounded. I don't want to get to and the top of... And you want to see loads of films for free. And I want to see <laughs> loads of films for free. But I don't want to get to the top of the ladder. Or half of me can get to the top of the ladder, but the other half's got to stay picking up litter. Well, I think you can do both, and I don't think that... The problem is you don't want to let your job... And the way that you're seen in like a professional context, that shouldn't dictate the way that you feel your own power is. Because that's allowing your power to be dictated, one, by your perceptions of, and, uh, your perceptions of other people's perceptions. Yeah. And there was another example, but I don't know what it is. I'm worried that, should we go into this song? So, you know, I was talking before about how you project yourselves into songs. If I haven't ashamed myself enough in this episode, I'm going to play this song that I... Listen to sometimes and imagine singing to someone or just feeling really sad about it. But, like, I'm not that embarrassed because we all do it. And to try and, like, say that we don't is would be doing people who are listening a disservice. Everyone feels sad and and everyone wants to be loved. And it well, be apparently honest. not everyone does. But anyway, that's by the by. We this do. is a song and it's called Fire and it's by Tuneyards. Have a really lovely Friday. Stroke Tuesday. Stroke Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, just really enjoy your weekend. Go wild. Good luck to everyone graduating at GSA this week. I'll be looking forward to the degree shows. And good luck to the Glasgow Roller Girls who are playing in Malmo and Copenhagen. Hey! Go! Okay.